So this morning we're going to be in Genesis chapter 22. Something a little different. Typically on Sundays in most churches you're going through New Testament, but we're going to go through some Old Testament. On Thursday I was blessed with the opportunity to substitute for our Bible teacher here, and it's always, it's always fun being in the classroom. I, I enjoy it. There's a lot of things I enjoy about it and then some things I don't enjoy about it. But what I do enjoy about it is just being able to talk with them, share with them God's word, and just have open discussion with these teens because it's, uh, it's, it's crazy how their minds think or, or they're not quite there just yet. They don't see the bigger picture sometimes. And uh, I know I still got a lot of growing to do myself, but I can tell you I do not think the way I did when I was 12 or 13. There are certain things I look at a little differently now, right? Like I tell these kids, you may look at a stack of chairs and you're like, let's see you could jump over this. Let's see you can go the farthest. And, and I remember a few times they've asked me, hey, Mr. V, why don't you try it? Let's see how far you can go. And I'm like, mm, I'll pass, right? Because I know now if I fall, it's going to hurt a lot more or I'm going to lose some teeth. When you're a kid, you fall, you get back up, no problem. As you get older, you're like, nope, that's okay. <laughs> So I had the opportunity, like I said, to talk with them, and we were talking about meekness, and it's one of the things I wanted to talk about this morning. What is meekness? Meekness is gentle submission to God and others. In Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it says meekness, in an evangelical sense, humility, resignation, submission to the divine will without murmuring or peevishness, opposed to pride and arrogance. Wow. That's pretty much summed up humility, right? Being humble. That's not always easy to do sometimes. That's, that's very hard. I know it's hard for kids when they think they're right. And, and you would think things get easier as an adult, but it's even harder for adults. As it seems like the older you get, it's harder to admit sometimes you're wrong. <laughs> if you do make a mistake. It's not easy. But it's something that God calls us to. I would say that meekness is perhaps the most misunderstood and most neglected attribute of the Christian life. Why? Because the world views meekness as weakness. If you're a person that's very meek, they look at you as, oh, this person's weak. They can't be a strong leader. That's quite the opposite. They feel that you are unable to stand up for yourself. No, I, I can. Um, I just want to make sure that I'm doing it God's way and not my way. Because there's been plenty of times where people have come at me and I didn't respond in meekness. And I got to tell you, when you don't respond in meekness, the, the flesh comes out. And it's not always what God's way is. It's not his will when we act out in the flesh. I've been in trouble a couple times at my old job for speaking out when someone's come against me. And then God's also shown me at times where you don't need to defend yourself, I'm your defender. And it's a lot better when he's defending us instead of we try to defend ourselves. Because sometimes we say stuff we probably shouldn't say, right? I know I've been in that position before where <laughs> I, I've said something in just didn't work out how I thought it would. Get called into the office and they're like, yeah, even though uh, that wasn't right, what they did, you also did not act correctly as well. 
And it's stuff that you got to learn along the way. Being disciplined by God, yes, that always hurts. Being corrected by another brother and sister in Christ, uh, it stings a little bit. But where it really stings is when you get corrected by a non-believer. Someone that's not serving God and they say, hey, aren't you a believer? Shouldn't you be acting this way? Ouch. Got me. It hurts. I remember looking at this phrase one time and it said, be humble or be humbled, right? And it's like, wow. That's it's a good phrase. Be, be humble and live out how God's called us to. If not, you're going to be humbled and that's going to hurt a lot, lot worse. Like I said, the world's view of meekness is, is weakness. But I would say meekness is a sign of great strength. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, it said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They shall inherit the earth. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you this morning, and as we open up our Bibles, Lord, to study your word, I pray and just ask that you would speak to us this morning, Lord. Help us to make some changes in our lives if we need to, and Father, if we're pressing on, Father God, towards the mark and we're doing well, continue to help us to be faithful to you, Lord, because it's not always easy to do so. And as Ted talked about this morning with all the craziness that's happening in this world, you do call us to, to take a stand, but also to, to show your love, Father God, to those that are around us. So I pray and ask that you would help us this morning to understand what it is that you want us to receive from you this morning. And we just ask this in your precious name. Amen. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, and Abraham uh, said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Verse 2, Then he said, Now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So God has already talked to Abraham in the past, or Abram, we should say, and God had told, had told him what his plan was for him. Abraham was 75 years old when he first received a promise from the Lord, and that promise was that you would have many descendants. You're going to have a son. 75 years old. Now, we look at this from a Western civilization point, and we're like, 75, that's pretty old. That's, yeah, not going to happen, right? Back then, they lived a little bit longer. We see that Abraham did live till he was about 175 years old. But a 75-year-old man back then, compared to a 75-year-old bodies now, did it look the same? We don't know. Maybe. Maybe there was more energy, maybe there was more life, but 75 years old, we're looking at this, and even his wife, Sarah, when he shared this with her, was like, are, are you joking with me? Is this a joke? I am barren. This isn't funny. What do you mean we're going to have a kid? No, not going to take place. Now, there are some individuals, I mean, I know a couple years back I read an article on the internet where a 95-year-old man in Indonesia just had a child. 
with his wife. I don't know how old she was, but you looked at this man at 95 years old, and he looked like he was 95 years old. He was fragile. He was just very fragile, beard gray everywhere, probably holding this little baby. And you think, wow, okay, that, that's, I don't know really the words, you know, to say. But I just thought this is sad for the child because they'll probably never know this, this father, you know. I don't know how much more years this man has of life, but to have a child at that age, wow. Abraham, 75, God tells him you're going to have a son. Time passes on, and he does have this son, him and Sarah do, but the child doesn't come right away. God does give him a promise. And one of the promises that he tells him in Genesis 13, verse 16, is, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Wow! That's a, that's a huge family line there. I mean, here living in New Mexico, we're in the desert. You look out, there's, there's a lot of sand up there. There's a lot of dust. His descendants are going to be that many? Whoa! Specifically for someone like Sarah, who's barren. But this is a promise that God has. Isaac didn't come till 25 years later. 25 years later. Is God slow in making promises? No. It's always right on time. Now, some people may look at this and be like, 25 years, that's a long time. It is. It's hard because... I don't know what it is. Sometimes I think us as human beings, we pray and we expect God to answer our prayers right away. But sometimes there's something he has to teach us along the way. Patience is one. The other thing is sometimes that may not be his will. And if it's not his will, that's okay because he knows what's best for us. You understand? Just, just like a child... They're, they're going to come up and they're going to ask for something and sometimes you're going to say, no, you're not having a slushy at 9 o'clock in the morning. That's not breakfast. That's not healthy for you. It's just like swallowing a cup of sugar, right? That, that's not food. They're not going to eat that. They don't understand. They just want what's, what's on their heart, what's on their mind. Or the classic is where they're going to go ask dad for something or mom for something and they say no and then they go to the other spouse, right? Could I have this? Oh, okay, yeah, I guess. And then they cause a fight that they don't even know of, right? I told them no. Why did you say yes? I mean, my daughters do that all the time. They know don't ask mom for sweets. She's going to say no. I, on the other hand, I struggle. I love sweets. But even I, there's got to be some type of rules, right? You can't just go crazy and just eat whatever you want when you want. No. God fulfilled his promise to Abraham, but it was on his timing. 
And, and that's something I think that we all need to be mindful of. Like I said, sometimes the answer is no. Or sometimes if you don't get an answer, it doesn't mean yes. Continue to be patient and wait. Now we know along the way, Sarah was just like, this isn't happening. This isn't going to take place. So they come up with their own plan, right? <laughs> he does have a son, but it wasn't with his wife, Ishmael. And that's a whole other set of problems. That's one of the things I told the teens on Thursday as I said, look, God's, God's going to bring you someone in his perfect timing. Just wait, be patient. This man that I told you about, 95 years old, that, that had a child living in Indonesia, some tribe, remote tribe hidden back where they have three or four spouses. That's okay. And some of the, the people are like, what, three or four spouses? I'm like, look, <laughs> ladies, one guy is all you need. Men, one woman is all you need. One is enough, believe me. There's enough drama that will last, last you a lifetime with one. You understand? To have three or four? You trying to kill yourself? What's going on? There's enough there with just one. You make your own plans, Ishmael comes, and there's a whole other set of problems that Abraham goes through. But God is still teaching him something. Faith reliance on me, not yourself. Look, here you are with the son. Yes, you're 100 years old. Ta-da! Here's your son. Wow. God's always right on time. But he says here, in verse 2, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So you have a son, now I want you to sacrifice your son to me. Man, talk about a test. Talk about putting your faith in God. But Lord, I thought my descendants were going to be many. And now you want me to sacrifice him? Is that what Abraham says? No, let's look at what happens next. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. What's so amazing here is that Abraham doesn't even question God. He, he doesn't even say, but what about the promise you told me about? He doesn't even ask that question at all. God tells him to go do this, and he does. There's no sign of hesitation on Abraham's part. He rose early in the morning to do this. Can you imagine the thoughts that he was thinking of throughout the night? I know if it was me, I'd, I'd be pretty stressed out. How, how can I get past this or what, what am I going to do or, or something? There's always, you know, plan B. What, what is it? What can we come up with here? Abraham's obedience showed that he trusted God 
even when he did not feel like it or even when he did not know what would really happen, he trusted God. And that's the thing that, you know, for, for us it gets very, very hard because we know what God's Word says, but there are times when we still struggle with it. I don't know if you do, but I know I do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We know that. We know that, and we know God's word to be true. Walk by faith, not by sight. But what about when something like this comes across us? <laughs> something we don't understand. Do you still walk by faith and not by sight? Some of us do, some of us don't. It's human nature. There, there's not a line here in the text about how Abraham even felt. Not because he didn't feel sad or was upset, but because he walked by faith. He walked with total uh, reliance upon God. He didn't walk by his feelings. This is what God says. God's proven to be true. I'm going to follow him. Wow. Yeah, that is a man of God. How many of us could do this? I got to tell you that I would struggle. There's times where I have struggled in, in situations. Lord, I don't know how this is going to take place. And God always takes care of it. Always takes care of it. Sometimes we stress out for nothing. We bring on all this stress, all these problems, and God's like, what are you doing? It's in my hands. It's in, it's in control by me. Me having to come work here at the school, being asked, hey, would you like to come work at the school? I'm like, that'd be awesome. But I don't know if, if this is going to be, you know, this is hard. They're talking about a pay cut, which we're already kind of struggling my wife's got to be on board with it. And you have to have um, college education. I'm like, God, I would love to come work there, but you're going to have to answer these things. You're, you're going to have to give me a piece, and I'm going to know it's going to be okay. Go home and talk to my wife, and two of those things were solved right away. She's like, why are you stressing? Like, you should be working there in the first place. Wow. That's, that's amazing that she was so confident in that. You know, praise the Lord for that. Because I wasn't sure. Okay. And I remember Pastor Gary, and I may have told you guys this at one time, but Pastor Gary called me up and says, hey, do you have an answer for me? You want to come work? And I'm like, I would love to, but one more question for you. Have to have a college degree. He goes, don't worry, I took care of that. <laughs> How do you take care of a college degree? I'm like, did he print something out or what's going on? Like, like how, you just don't come up with a college degree. No, I have a bigger plan. Okay, do you mind me asking what that is? Yeah, no, no issues. Like, um, I'm going to ordain you as a pastor, and it, when you're a pastor, that exempts any type of stuff like that, and you're going to be teaching Bible, um, so taken care of. There. Oh. 
wait, wait, you're going to ordain me as a pastor? Is that what I heard correctly? Yeah. Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> I need you to go somewhere. I need you to be obedient and faithful. And yes, I will admit before you, and this is embarrassing for me, but I will admit there are times I still struggle with my own insecurities of being in a spot that I feel I probably should not be in. Because when it comes to people on the outside viewing and looking in, what are your credentials? And when you tell them, oh, <laughs> okay, I struggle with that. I shouldn't because when God calls you, he will equip you. And, and you're there. You're his. Okay? But if I have to be honest, I will say that I still struggle from time to time. Okay? And people will ask me, People from my old job where I used to work at, shipping and receiving for 18 years, working in the warehouse. Hey, I remember you went to go work for that school. How's that going? Pretty good. So what's your job again? Oh, well, I was teaching Bible, but now I'm, a, I'm an assistant principal of a school. You? You're a principal? You're a pastor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. God will do that sometimes. Right? Doesn't, see, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your history. That's the past. When you give your life to Christ, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you never know where he's going to take you. You know, are you willing? And Abraham was willing. Okay, Lord, I don't understand your plan. I don't understand... Uh, what the future is for me. I know you told me this, but now you're saying to go sacrifice? Okay, let's go. No hesitation at all. Verse 4, Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. God showed him where he wanted him to go. He didn't even know where he was going, first of all. He just said, go, and I will show you. How many of us can do that? I'm one of those where I kind of like to know the plan a little bit ahead of time. And if it changes, that's cool, but I at least like to know a little bit of what I'm getting into. He didn't even, he's like, God says, go, I will show you a place, just go. Okay, let's go. And then after three days, there it is. Verse 5, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. How was Abraham so confident in speaking here? I'd, I'd say one of the most important words here, verse 5, is that two-letter word, we, right? We will come back to you. Doesn't matter how big or short the word is. This was only two letters. We will come back. Most important word in that verse he can say this with confidence that he would return with the son because he remembered the promise that God had told him. He remembered that promise. Your descendants will be as the dust of the earth. He knew that promise. He held on to it. It's sad because I feel like a lot of people have forgotten the promises God has promised them. And they end up turning their back on God. They, they possibly feel like God didn't answer their prayers or he's never been there in their time of need. 
And because they forget those promises, that's when they go astray. It's so important to have God's word written on our hearts. And remembering those promises on what he's told us. That's how Abraham had this confidence. God is always there with us every step of the way, even if we don't understand what's going on. It doesn't change the fact that he's still God and he's in control of all things just because we don't understand. He's God. Some people, like I said, well, God, this, I don't understand God, so I don't know, I can't believe that. You mean to tell me because you can't figure the God who created heaven and earth and everything in it, you can't understand that, so you're not going to put your trust in him or believe in him? You're talking about an almighty, powerful God. You're trying to put him in a box so that your little feeble mind can understand him. It doesn't work like that. He's God. Believe me, there's a lot of things that I look at and I'm like, Lord, this doesn't make sense to me. But just because it doesn't make sense doesn't mean that he's not in control. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. We look at his promises. What does his word say? What does his word say? Do we remember what he's told us? Like I told you guys, I mean, yes, this year it's a little bit harder for me. You know, my dad had passed away. December 2021. And, and I'm struggling more this year than, than last year. But I remember the promises of God. He's with me. You will see him again one day. There's no more hurting for him. You know, as, as my dad was laying in the bed and we had to wait there for four hours for him to take his last breath, I struggled. Lord, heal him. Get him up. I'd like to see him just, just move, prove all these doctors wrong. God's like, that's not my plan, though. Don't make sense to me. He's been serving you for over 30 years. He's a man of God. Him and my mom are so close. Lord, please answer. Nothing. That wasn't God's plan. Doesn't mean that God's not real. Doesn't mean that, oh, he can't heal my father. No, that wasn't his plan. Because I, the more I start to think about it, I start to think, man, as my dad got older and he was starting to struggle with certain things, could I see him get old and get frail and not be able to do projects with me anymore? Would that hurt me more? Probably. You know, oh, he can't even turn a screwdriver no more. I think that would, that would crush me. I've learned so much from him. So we got to understand what God's promises are to us. When we understand that, we can say, Lord, look, I know what your promise says. This doesn't make sense to me. I put it in your hands, and that's where it needs to be. In your hands, you have complete control. And that's what Abraham remembered. My descendants are going to be great. They're going to be huge. How can that happen if he has no offspring? God said, I will have descendants. Lord, I don't, this doesn't make sense, but let's go, let's go to sacrifice. 
What are the promises God has for us? There's just a few of them in his word for us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Hebrews 13, 5, where he will always be there by our side. Will never leave us. Nothing can separate us from him. Nothing can separate us from God. Romans 8, verse 37 through 39. The only thing that can separate us from God is us. If we turn our backs on him, if we reject him. Other than that, there's nothing that can separate us from him. What other promise does he have for us? That if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. The biggest thing there, though, is according to his will, not our will. Right? What's his will for our lives, for our families? He will then hear us. That's in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And then Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, plans to prosper us. He's going to use us for his glory as long as you're willing. As long as you're willing. I can tell you that this journey I've been on ever since I've come to work here at this school, it's been a blessing. Yes, it has its ups and downs. But I will tell you that this is definitely one journey that I will never forget. However long it lasts, it's been nothing but blessing. So if you're willing, all I can say is hold on for the ride because God will take you places you've never thought of or he'll use you in ways you've, you won't even believe, okay? Verse six, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Some years back when I had studied this, I don't know, you always hear in Sunday school that Abraham had a child and he went to go sacrifice his child. A few years back when I had, like I said, read this and knowing this, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys were aware of this or not, but when he went to sacrifice Isaac, Isaac was about 25 to 33 years old. Not sure if you knew that or not, okay? All this text that we've read so far if you go back and look, it does not say kid and it does not say child. It says son. It says son. It doesn't say little kid, little child. Son. <laughs> One of the things I told the kids on Thursday was, look, I don't care how old you get, you're always going to be your mom, your mom's little boy, little girl. And same thing, your dad's little boy, little girl. I don't care how old you are. That'll never change, so just get over it right now, Okay. Just throw aside your pride. Just, I'm an adult. I'm 21 or I'm 18. Look, you're always going to be their little baby boy. That's it. Sorry. Get over it, okay? I don't care if you're 40, 50. You're still their little boy. You're still their little girl. That's just the way it's going to be, okay? This was his son, about 25 to 33 years old. 
Heck, even those teenagers in the school, they, they, they see stuff and they start asking questions. Hey, we noticed so-and-so in here. Everything okay? What's going on? Right? <laughs> Isaac's, like I said, he's not no little dumb kid. 25 to 33 years old. Maybe Abraham told him, hey, we're going to go up and uh, make a sacrifice to the Lord. Cool. Hey, Dad, where's the sacrifice? I notice we have everything else except for that. In verse 8, Abraham replies, no hesitation, right? My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Once again, the confidence, the faith he has in God. If he would have said, well, son, that's a good question. So, yeah, what? Um, you start to kind of delay a little bit here. Questions start to arise. They will start to arise. He just says it right away. Verse 9. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon wood. Okay. <laughs> this here always gets me. 25 to 33 years old. Can he overtake his father? Probably. But you let your dad tie you up? And lay you on, on the wood, on the altar? Questions would start arising from me. I'm just saying. Okay? Isaac doesn't say anything. He just follows his dad's instruction. Now, like I said, I love my dad a lot. Okay? A lot. We never really went camping. We're more city boys, okay? But if we went camping and my dad says, hey, uh, come over here. I want to tie your legs up real quick. <laughs> dad, what's going on? Okay? You're losing your mind a little bit? Well, I, I want to tie your, your arms behind your back as well. You're tripping, man. Something's going on, okay? I, I, I don't know about that. Dad, why, why does this need to take place? Well, let, let's, even if he told me, you guys, what's the plan? Let, let's come over here and let's tie you up to this tree uh, because the plan is, is that we're going to tie you up and hopefully in the night as animals come to get you, we'll kill them and get food. I still don't like the plan. You understand? Like the plan is relying upon you to kill whatever's about to get me and you need to be accurate before it even touches me. I don't like the plan. You understand? Like, even if I know what it is ahead of time, I don't like it. When it comes to this story, and specifically verse 9, everyone always talks about Abraham's faith when referring to this story here. And yes, it's remarkable. And it should be imitated by all of us. Just trusting in the Lord, following his command. But let's not forget Isaac's faith here. Because like I said, I'd be looking at this like, I think the old man lost it. Total, complete trust and faith in the Lord, in his father. 
He submitted to his father perfectly, even when things didn't look good. I say being tied up don't look very good at all. He did not argue. He did not fight. He did not run away from his father. He just listened. He honored his father just like it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. For this is right. One of the things that I can say, and I know there's not too many teens in here or high school age individuals, college age students, but I will say this. Guys, one of the greatest things that we can do if, if you're that age or younger is, yes, obey your parents, listen to your parents. Look, you're not going to agree with them 100% of the time with everything that they say. But what I've noticed about this generation, and when I, when I use those words there, I feel really old, okay? I do. But, but the change that I see, and maybe just the way I was brought up, I don't know, is that even if one of you came up to me and told me something and you're older than me, shut up and listen. I don't have to agree with you, but my job is to shut up, listen, hear what you have to say, go to the Lord and say, God, if any of this you want me to do, show me and I will do. It's not to sit there and say, this is why you're wrong and let me tell you why you're wrong. And you see that a lot with this generation. The younger ones wanting to correct the older ones. You think you know everything? They've lived out life a little bit more longer than you. I think they've been around the block or two. It doesn't mean that they're right, but what we should do as the younger generation is just shut up and listen. All you have to do is hear it out. Okay, cool, thanks, appreciate it. All right, Lord, what is it that I'm supposed to do with this information? Do you want me to, to do what they're saying? or You're the one that's in control. You're the one that's brought me to where I am here in my life. What do I apply and what don't I apply? But you don't see that very often. These younger ones like to argue and spit back stuff and try, try to argue just to prove that they know something. I'm not saying all of them, okay, because I don't want to clump them all together because I know some of them that don't do that. We need to take on this approach just like what Isaac did. Obey our parents in the Lord. Why? Because that's what he calls us to do. I would say that this applies to all of us anyway because whether your parents are still alive or not, our Father is God. So we obey what He has to tell us. Verse 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay a hand on the lad. Or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. I read part of a commentary by David Guzik, and it says for these verses here Yet God often takes the will for the deed with his people. God often takes the will for the deed with his people. When he finds them truly willing to make the sacrifice he demands, he often does not require it. This is how we can be martyrs without ever dying for Jesus if we live the life of a martyr right now. 
Sometimes, God, it's, to, it's just a test. Are we willing to follow? Are we willing to, to listen, obey? You know, a lot, of, a lot of times, and that's what I'm just trying to encourage these kids with here at the school is, look, <laughs> all we're trying to see is can you follow a simple instruction? Because you're going to have rules the rest of your life. You're going to. And just because you don't like one rule doesn't mean that it goes away. You're going to either have to follow that rule or guess what? If, it's, if you're working somewhere and you don't like that rule, then you go find somewhere else to work. But the rules are going to be there for you to follow. If you can just learn that simple thing now, it'll save you so much time and heartache and, and headache. Just listen to a rule. It may not be right and you may not understand the rule, but okay, I'm going to do it because that's my job. If you can just do that, fine. Because I've worked for some supervisors where you're looking at something and you're like, man, they're wasting so much money. Let me tell you what we should be doing. And they're like, cool, no. Can you still follow their, their, their lead? It's what we're called to do. Hoping later on that maybe one day they'll understand, hey, I did know what I was trying to talk to you about or share with you, right? Sometimes you may see it. Sometimes you may never see it. But can we follow the one rule of whatever the boss says? I told them, look, if, if you get mad for, for certain rules, because I, a, a, I had a young lady tell me this one time, well, I'll go somewhere else to work. says, what if it happens again? Well, I'll go somewhere else to work. That's cool, but what happens when you're 25 and had 25 different jobs? You think you go to a new place, they're going to want to hire you? Oh, this person looks like they're a job hopper. So we're going to pass. You can't just run in time of trouble. Really, what's happening is God's trying to work on you. He's trying to work on me. Can we just follow the instruction? Verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. God will provide. Now, it wasn't a lamb. It was, it was a ram instead, but God provided the sacrifice. He takes care of all things for us. And Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 34, it says, So don't worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's focus on today. What does God have? What's he going to do? Don't, don't worry. I'm not saying, you know, oh, just throw all this stuff off. No, God, I can tell you story after story in ways I've seen God provide, not only for me and my wife, but even in my family, my parents, my grandparents, all the stuff in which he's taken place and he's always provided. You've got to put your, your, your faith in the Lord. Are we walking in meekness? Are we the type of person that has to have the last word in just to be right? Sometimes God says, be quiet. 
Just listen to what people have to say. You don't always have to be right. You don't always have to um, put someone down or, or think that you know it all. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Are we walking in meekness? It's always hard, and I was telling the kids, you know, when you play sports, you always got someone that's running their mouth, trash talking, you know. Don't engage. I says, I, I've been in positions like that, and the craziest thing, the best thing to do is, you know, you're playing against someone, basketball is the sport I enjoy, someone's running their mouth, you just ghost them, act like they're not even there, like they don't exist. Ignore them. In about 10, 15 minutes when they see that it doesn't affect you, they get so quiet. You just take them right out of the game. I says, and what happens? Sometimes it'll happen, and it's happened before with me, where they get quiet, and then I start doing well. Start doing good. And when you start doing well, don't go back and be like, hey, where are you at now? What's up? No, no, no. Don't do that. Okay? Supposed to be meek. Keep your mouth shut. The kids were like, oh, but come on. They're talking trash to me. Why can't I do it back? Because God says be humble or you're going to be humbled. You got to be careful with that. Got to be careful with that. Put on humility. Who cares? Who cares? It's not always easy. That's one of the hardest things you're going to encounter. Is not saying something back. Like I said, times I've handled it well, other times not so well. There was a time when uh, a man I was working with, there was three or four workstations in front of me, and for some reason he hollers out to me to come over to his workstation, so I do, and he says, can you tie my shoe for me, please? And I'm looking at this man like, you're a grown man, are you for real? You're the same age as my, as my father. You're more than capable of tying your shoe. But then he starts to break it down to me. I've had a hip replacement. Um, I'm going to have to get another one. My, my hip's not working so well today. I have a, a splint on my wrist, and it's just going to be hard. Can you tie my shoe for me, please? And God says, Go do it. All right, Lord, if that's what you want tie the guy's shoe and walk back to my workstation and everyone on the floor, on, on the shop floor, seeing what I did. Now here comes the little jokers coming out, right? Because I had a guy do that. He purposely untied his shoe and this, hey Ed, can you come over here? Can you tie my shoe too for me, please? My response probably was one I shouldn't have, have said or did, Okay. <laughs> Because what I told him was, do you know why I tied his shoe? Because his hip is busted up and he has a splint on his wrist. So I can do that to you too and then I'll tie your shoe. <laughs> right? And he was like, what? And we kind of chuckled. I said, no, nah, I'm just messing, but, but for real. For real what? You'll tie it or you'll do the other thing. Whatever you want. Right? And, and it, once again, I probably shouldn't have gone back that way. But I did just joking around, but still it was like, man, why did I go there? Because then you got to understand, the world, they don't play fair. They're going to keep poking the bear, keep prodding. And sure enough, the next guy came my way and said, hey, Ed, 
I got to go to the restroom. You want to come and wipe my butt too? Oh, you turned it up a notch. And I was ready to open my mouth, and God said, shut up. Don't go there, because then it's just going to keep going back and forth. Uh, okay, so I was the joke for the whole day, right? Sometimes that's going to happen. It's going to happen. But don't forget the good deed that you did, and you helped a man that was in need. When you do that, Satan's always going to come back and he's going to try to bring whatever he can to take away that blessing from you and how God used you. But remember that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is a sign of great strength and you can accomplish it with God's help. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you, Lord. And we do want to thank you for being such an awesome Father, just showing us just love and grace and faithfulness. Lord, I pray and just ask that as we get ready for a new work week, Father, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would give us the strength that we need to be able to minister to people. Sometimes it's not always easy in the workplace. People gossip, people talk behind our backs, but you call us to love. You call us to keep our eyes fixed upon you, not to look to the left nor to the right. So we ask for that strength to do so. We ask that you would help us to show love and, and kindness and compassion to others. Father, I pray and just ask that you would mold us and shape us into the men of God and women that you would want us to be for you, for our families. And that people really would be encouraged by the way we live our lives. Lord, we may not physically be preaching to them, but I pray that by our actions that they would know that there is something different about us. And that's that you are living inside of us. Lord, I pray and just ask that you would be with us now. Father, be with Pastor Gary. We ask that you would heal him. Lord, take away the shoulder and the neck pain that he's going through right now. I pray that whatever he's doing this minute, this second, that you would just touch him, Lord, and that you would remove it. Give him that comfort. May he be able to rest through this week and, and be with us next week, Father. Um, I pray that if there's anyone here, Lord, you, you know our, our prayer request. You know the things that we are going through, Lord, health issues for some. Some people not feeling good. Some people um, facing other difficulties as far as cancer. There's some of us that I, I know uh, of a few people that with COVID. Father, I just pray that whatever health-wise, whatever's going on in the body, whatever that person has, whatever they're going through, Lord, that you would be with them right now. Lord, that you would touch them, that you would heal them. We know that modern-day medicine is awesome, but Lord, ultimately, you're the great physician. And so we pray and just ask for healing upon those people, Lord. And if you do choose to use doctors to... to prescribe medication or help them, I pray that those doctors or nurses would be able to see that you're in control of all things. Lord, if there's any of us here today that have just been struggling, there's been a certain sin, a certain vice that has us trapped, I pray and just ask that you would help us to surrender that to you, Lord, that you would take control of our lives. 
Father, we just thank you for allowing us to gather together today as a family, as the body of Christ, to study your word. We ask that you would be with us now and ask that you'd be with us as we get ready for, like I said, another work week. Father, we just thank you and praise you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.